Welcome to the Arise podcast with Danielle Castillejo and Maggie Hemphill, conversations around faith, race, justice, gender, and the church. Hey, thanks, Maggie, for kicking us off today. Um, I, again, this is like the second week in a row where I have just like a huge grin on my face and lit up <laughs> as uh, the, the Maggie and I got on the screen and then in the anticipation of our guest with us today. We have Jen Oyama Murphy. She's a story guide. She's loved story most of her life. Um, she was an English major. She's been in the ministry and nonprofit settings uh, for 30 years, which combines like both pastoral and so theological and psych psychological like modalities. She's a dream guide, which is what we're gonna hit on a bit today. I know she's a mom and most recently she was working for the Allender Center that's based in Seattle, Washington. and. For me personally, Jen has been someone that's guided me in the way I orient myself and my professional career, career um, therapeutically and my work with group and story. So I'm honored to have you with us today, Jen. Well, thanks to both of you, Danielle and Maggie, for having me. I had the privilege of having both of you in a group where we were together. And so I'm so grateful to be back with you guys again. Thanks. I know like we're going to kick off and talk a little bit about your work with dreams and what does that look like? But first, I just want to check in, like, where are you located in the world? Um, how are you doing? Uh, at some point, I think we're going to be able to say, hey, we're post COVID, but that isn't yet. Mm -hmm. So just kind of want to hear an update. Like, how how are you? Where Where is that place for you right now? Mm -hmm. Um. I mean, geographically, I'm located in Chicago, Illinois. Um, I live here with my husband. I have two adult um, children. So in terms of like stages of life, I'm transitioning, I think, out of that mother stage. You know, I have two grown girls now and I'm moving into what I um, am calling, um, borrowing off of some Jungian psychology and archetypes, the matriarch stage where um, I think I'm trying to live and lead from a place more of knowing where I'm empowered and where I'm called, rather than when you're in that mother stage, it's a lot of effort, right? It's, you're, it's just um, figuring out what it means to care for yourself while you're caring so deeply for other people. And I think it's coming from a different place. So I think even my identity is starting to locate a little bit differently. Um, you know, we're also uh, connected to the Seattle School and on their website, they have a Richard Rohr quotation about um, the space called like the inside edge of the outside or the outside edge of the inside. And to me, that's a liminal space. And I think I locate myself in the world in that liminal space as an Asian American woman feeling very much in the in-betweenness and the invisibility of that space that can be really lonely. And I think it also has a sense of waiting and transition for me, but historically for me that uh, in-between space of even in terms of my own racial identity of not being white, but not being black and not really knowing how to understand or define myself without a lot of other Asian faces around me, that that place has felt um, like a place of abandonment or where I have forgotten myself, even in that space. 
and again, I think because I'm I'm moving into my middle late fifties, which I hate to say, but it's true. Um, there, I'm just I'm just in this different um, place in my life where I'm starting to hear Jesus ask me to consider that that liminal space actually is a place of creativity, right? That it's not just a place of marginalization, but out of that hurt, when there's healing and transformation and growth, it can actually really be this powerful space of transition and generativity and creativity. So I feel like that's kind of where I am right now. And it has created um, a new richness in my dream world, which is partly what I think I'm trying to pay attention to and kind of bring into the work that I'm doing. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And hearing, you know, you identify the the places of transition and even having a name for the, the season that you're entering into and kind of um, beginning to, to take on, like you said, kind of with rich meaning. Um, this is beautiful. And you mentioned that this season and this time of your life has allowed you or given you space to pay more attention to your dreams. And I would love for you to just start by telling us like, what is dream work and how do you use it? Mm -hmm. I think of dreams as parables, that they're um, stories that the spirit is creating, co-authoring really with my unconscious. Um, because I am such a cognitive person, I live in my head so, so much. I think it's actually Jesus's pursuit of me, God's mercy to me, that I have dreams. Because um, there's this playwright, her, her name's Marcia Norman, and she says, um, dreams are illustrations from the book your soul is writing about you. And for me, that's the perfect combination of story work, which I love doing, right, which is about text and story. And then dreams are like the symbols and pictures that go along with that story. But because I'm so in my head, a lot of times I'm, I miss the illustrations or I don't pay attention to them or think that they're not as important as the text. And so um, my dreams, I think, are parables. They're they're stories with symbols that are inviting me to pay attention to something about myself, something about my world, something about who Jesus is and what the kingdom of God is like that I'm not aware of or paying attention to, or maybe that I once knew and have forgotten and need to be reminded again. So I think it's actually a, a really powerful way that God is communicating to us. There's a Jungian analyst and Episcopal priest um, named John Sanford, and he says that dreams are God's forgotten language. And I, for me, I think that that is really true. Yeah, I was thinking about, <clears throat> I was just telling you before we like hopped on air here about mm -hmm. dreaming lately and writing about it. And one of the things I was writing about is just this feeling of sometimes there are words coming out and when I'm sitting in the therapist position and I hear words like I'm, it's affect and body and language. But when I'm the teller who's listening to me, sometimes I just feel like the words are spilling out. And to me, in my recent dreams, it feels like there's words, but I can have the texture of the feeling. Mm -hmm. Like I'm able to have a witness or I don't know, like a felt sense, even in my skin for the texture the texture of the of the story and and so I guess that's what I'm hearing a little bit 
from you, even when you talked about liminal space, because that feels like this blending of past and present and what's real and what's, and what we're calling dreams or parables. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, when um, I talk about dream work, nine times out of 10, the first thing people will say to me, and I said this to myself is either I don't dream or I can't remember my dreams. And again, I think it's because we put so much pressure on ourselves to encode things cognitively through a lot of words. And there's a performance thing that comes in. And I love what you're saying, Danielle, that um, dreams are this embodied symbol and story mixed together. And so what I tell people is um, just, just practice being aware of what comes up for you the minute you wake up. So it may be a feeling, it may be a color, you know, it may be an emotion, it may be one symbol, it may be one word, and just start there and not put a lot of pressure on yourself to like wake up and and write, you know, three pages worth of, you know, details about a really complicated dream because first of all, you may not be ready for all that content, right? And um, what what comes to you when you first wake up may be the thing that the spirit is inviting you to pay the most attention to. One, yeah, one question that came up for me, you know, as you've been talking is like, what do you think dreams are made of, right? I mean, you said it's your unconscious, your unconscious, mm-hmm. conscious, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and uh-huh. also the, the Holy Spirit. So like, when I think of dreams being made, I actually just think of that Disney Pixar movie Inside Out when they talk about um, the character falls asleep and inside you're seeing all the inner workings of the brain and they're just like picking up things from the day and throwing a lens on it and projecting it into their, um, you know, their dreaming world. But like, uh, how do you think dreams are made? Um, I wish I knew. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know. And I think that's part of, again, for me, What I love about working with dream work is that there is a mystery to it. Like, I'm sure there are physiological components of what makes up dreams um, for us. And I probably should know more about that than I do. But um, I, I think for me, the idea that it is the spirit of God co authoring something with a part of me that either I don't have access to, or I have forgotten, or I'm not paying attention to, for my good, kind of calling me back to myself, calling me back to um, Jesus, calling me back to the people that I'm called to be in community with and work with. Um, so, I mean, that's what I think dreams are, um, that there, there's something that God is touching in us in a creative way that is meant to tell us something about ourselves that we don't know or aren't paying attention to. Um, How that works or why that works, I don't really know. I'm sorry. I I don't really know. It it just feels like a gift and a mystery of God to me. And I'm, I'm okay with that being how I think dreams are made and what their purpose are to me. I like that answer. I just want to say I like that answer, especially when you read the biblical text, right? There are so many places and times where God is speaking to, um, you know, 
people in the Bible through their dreams, whether that be a vision or like a sleeping dream. Um, you know, there, I feel like there's precedent for what you're saying. So like, mm -hmm. good, that was a good answer. And there, there probably is some, some scientific, you know, like you said, physiological components that mm. we just maybe don't understand. Yeah. Well, one thing I think if, I mean, if we're going back to text or even your work, Jen, like, or even we like jump back into story work, which there needs to be a witness. Right. And, and mm -hmm. even like in the biblical text, it's not like, it's often like someone has a dream, but they just don't keep it to themselves forever. Right. There's a sharing, there's an imparting. I mean, there's singing sometimes, you know, in the case of uh, Mary and Elizabeth, like vision mm -hmm. stuff. So, I mean, I guess that's what's coming to me too. Like we aren't meant to um, have to decipher and decode dreams by ourselves. So that was just coming up for me as you were talking. Yeah, I think dreams are meant to say something both to us personally, but also are there for the collective, right? That, again, if, even if you look at scripture, the dreams are there for the for the dreamer, but they're also a way of connecting to whatever is happening in the community, in the collective space as well. And we need each other in order to help both bear witness to the dream, but I think um, not even so much decode the dream, but explore like, what is this dream saying to me about me? What is this dream saying to us about us? What is this dream saying to our world about our world? And even like we know this from story work that that kind of exploration um, invites and needs other people. Dreams never have one meaning. There's so many meanings to dreams. And so that's partly why I love doing dream work in groups because you get the reflection back or the ideas or the questions from so many different people. And so there's not like one right um, interpretation of anyone's dreams. Any, again, that's part of the mystery of it is that there can be lots of different meanings at lots of different times, you know, in different pockets of what the dream is and the more people that you have and same with story work you know you need to be wise and discerning about who you're sharing your dreams with like just like your stories and especially your stories of trauma but i think we're meant to be sharing the dreams just like we're meant to share stories with one another i love thinking about that the dreams are not just for the dreamer um, when you, when we first kind of reached out to you about talking about this, you sent us a resource, which we're going to link in the, uh, podcast notes about, you know, what, what is dream and work and interpretation. And there was kind of a guided practice. And so I decided to give it a try. Um, and so I did, I, I wrote down two dreams that I had, you know, over the last week. And one of them really felt like it wasn't actually for me. It was for my mom. Um, mm -hmm. in the dream, I was dreaming about my grandfather and he has already passed away he passed away in 2005 and in the dream just my mom and i were in a room with him as he was dying um actually his home in, in redmond washington and he passed away and all, all the extended family came in and we were all you know taking turns mourning and grieving and saying a few words and when it came to my time my grandfather opened his eyes and said i made it home hmm. i love you hmm. and i woke up and was like First of all, that was insane. I, I, I mean, I haven't dreamt about him in a long time, um, but I actually thought that dream was actually for my mom. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I, I texted her and said, Hey, I had a dream about grandpa last night. And I told her, and it brought such peace to her as well, then as well as me, the person who dreamed it. And so I love what you're talking about, how dreams aren't just for the dreamer and it's meant to be shared in community. Um, it just feels more powerful. I don't know, somehow mm -hmm. the, the mystery of it too. Yeah, no, I love that. I think their dreams can be saying something about our community and our collective nature. And also primarily they are about us. And so like Maggie, if I were working with you on your dream, like the tendency in dreams when you have dream about people is to think that it's about that actual person, right? Um, there's quotations even in the resources that you guys looked at that our, our instinct is to externalize whatever it is we're reading or dreaming or coming across. And part of what dream work I think is focusing on and asking us to look at is it's actually a representation of our inner world, which is mm. harder for us to look at. And so like if I were working with you, um, I would ask you some questions just about like, tell me about your grandfather and have you describe him to me? And then um, are there parts of you that are like him? And, mm. and to think through like, you know, are it's, what about your mom? What about your extended family? And to, to almost, it's, it's not like internal family systems, but it has some similarities until to like, these real people in your dreams are real people, but they're also possibly representations of parts of you that you may not recognize that you resonate with, right? So that that um, story is also telling you something about you internally, like what your internal world um, might be about um, as well as maybe an external situation or on behalf of someone else. Oh, that, that makes me a little bit weepy actually, mm. <laughs> thinking, thinking about, especially, um, especially in what he said, which was, I made it home and I love yes. you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and if that is a representation of myself, then some place, some, some of my inner world is settled. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense, like it is, it is where it's supposed to be for lack of a better language around right. it. So now, now I'm going to be thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and if I said to you, like, what are three adjectives that you would use to describe your grandfather just off the, like try not to think about it just off the top of your head um i mean he was extremely kind um and he was deeply religious for lack of a better word he was i felt like he was a holy man <laughs> and um i guess available is the other word i would say mm-hmm yeah, so like again, right, are are there, and because he's older too, so even thinking through like, are there kind of um, ancient, older, ancestral parts of you that are like that, um, that are looking to come home within you? Yeah, I mean, I don't have an answer. I think I have to ponder mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So it's just a question. Right. Yeah, I guess, I guess I think what I'm noticing is even that 
you know, just the idea that there are these ancient aspects of ourselves, Mm -hmm. which also seems like such taboo Mm. in our current culture to Mm. think through, but is not, we're not taboo. So even to be able to dream that feels like a safe way of, of bringing that to your awareness, Maggie. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm, I'm, I will be pondering long after this conversation what ancestral parts are, are wanting to return home mm-hmm. um, and what that looks like. Um, I mean, probably won't need to get into it here, but like the, the family story is obviously complicated, right? And, and we, we carry with us um, those stories and their stories. And I mean, even, the, even saying that, I'm seeing that it's not just me and my immediate family, but the collective, the long built up before that. So yeah, that, that is interesting. I, I think I'm going to be thinking about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the other um, piece in dream work is like not having these strict categories of like, if you're dreaming about, you know, um, a male, but the end you're, you identify as female, that you're, that's somebody else, right? It's the, it's the fluidity and the integration of all these different pieces and parts of us, ages, gender, sexuality, race, like to, to consider um, those again within us, not just something that's external that we can kind of pick and choose. But again, I feel like the spirit is bringing all those symbols and pieces to us for a reason and so just having a lot of openness and kindness and curiosity around why that is um, and considering like is that a part of who we are is that a part of um, maybe a piece of us that we have contempt for or have forgotten um, or we felt like we only assigned to somebody else but that that identity or those characteristics are actually something within us as well and I think especially in families um when you start having dreams about family members at least for me I have like these people are over here and these people over here and I am not like these mean people you know or like (laughs) I don't want to go here or I really identify here and I think that's the other thing about dreams like dreams don't tell us what we already know Right. So they're, they very rarely are like confirming or self-congratulatory. I think dreams should be humbling to us in a kind way, not in any way that's about humiliation, but about a kindness and curiosity. But it dreams, I think, are meant to tell us something that we don't know, that we're not paying attention to, that we've um, forgotten. And um that there should be kind of a tenderness and a softness to the exploration of that. Um, Because I I say this in dream work too, and we know this from story work or any sort of therapeutic work, that confidentiality is so important and how we hold one another's stories is so important. How we hold one another's dreams is um, very important too, especially because dreams Um, happen in the unconscious so we may be revealing something about ourselves to ourselves to our friend to our therapist to our group that we don't even know yet what that is and so there's an extra layer of vulnerability that happens when you're doing dream work that you know if I'm in a group with people 
I really try to name that that's true and, and wanting to hold the sacredness of that. And again, the softness and tenderness along with kind of the fierce confidentiality and honor, you know, that we're meant, I think, to bring to all our relationships. But um, just underlining that when you're doing dream work with people. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you think about confidentiality and, and bringing the unconscious forward, I, I wonder just how do you form a group around that's engaging dream work? Like, how do you, how do you have participants? I know with doing like story work, it's always good. What's well, usually recommended that someone that would come to a group that I would co-facilitate with my colleague or whatever, that they would have a therapist outside of our group and, or like spiritual director. I'm not saying it just has to be a therapist, but like extra places to process what comes up in the group. And then in addition, Kaylee and I have supervision um, where we can take um, not, not the names of people, but consult with, hey, this specific issue came up or I got caught here or there. So I'm just wondering, like, is that a similar frame for doing uh, a dream work in a group setting? Like, and how does that work for you particularly? I think it is very much um, the same in that um, dream work is, uh, I think, again, mysterious and deep and taps into things that we don't know about ourselves yet or don't want to know. And there's reasons for that. And so, yeah, that there needs to be a lot of care. And so I do like the, I have two dream groups right now and the people that are in it have either seen me or have experienced me doing dream work and are in their own therapeutic or pastoral process with other people. Um, and that feels really important. Um, yeah, and I have um, two analysts that I'm in regular contact with and I'm doing my own work with my own dreams around one of them and the other one is a little bit more of a supervisory um, role and so yeah all the things that we advocate for in terms of story work or therapeutic work or pastoral work are equally if not more true in dream work as well and um, I know like I a lot of your listeners or audience have also done a lot of story work and so I, I think there are some similarities between doing a dream group and a story group you know that both both groups are meant to be work towards transformation and healing confidentiality is really key um the idea that you know having more voices faces stories that are able to engage you that that can be something that's really helpful and expansive and deepening and that curiosity and kindness are necessary for the work um, but I also think that there are some differences. And the key difference for me is that in dream work, the dreamer is the author and authority of the dream. So it's the dreamer who gets to control the pace and process. Um, the only expert in the room when you're working with someone's dream is the person who had the dream. So because in dreams, the symbols that come in dreams are incredibly particular to the dreamer. And so only the dreamer knows what a cat means to the dreamer. And we may have all sorts of reflections and suggestions that we can offer 
but there are suggestions and reflections and the dreamer gets to say, this is what a cat means to me. Um, you know, in a story group or a therapeutic group, we work with what's happening in terms of the group dynamic. So, you know, if you start to delve into something in somebody's story and there's resistance, we work with the resistance, right? Or if there's transference, counter-transference, we work with that. That's not tr true in a dream work, again, because it, the, the dream is for the dreamer and the dreamer is the only one who gets to say this is what the dream means. So if they're resistant, they're resistant. And it's, it's not something that I, I work with. I take it as there's something in you that knows that you're not ready to go here. And we can make a note of that and circle back and there can still be invitation, but that's not part of the work. Right. Part of the, the work is really asking a lot of questions and helping the dreamer find out the meaning um, of their dream for themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, go for it, Maggie. Oh, I was just I was just going to ask, like, as you're talking about, you know, group group dream work was wondering, like, what kind of insights or inner healing happen as a result of you know, the group work or even just interpreting of, of dreams, mm -hmm. um, either for yourself or for your clients? Yeah, um, I like the word, um, what's the analysis of the dream better than interpretation? Because um, interpretation feels like it's, you're assigning a meaning. And like, I, I'm not going to interpret your dream for you which I think is another really big difference in story work that we tend to give a lot of authority and expertise to the facilitator or the therapist, right? So they get to tell us, they're naming for us what they're seeing in our story. And you know, in, in a lot of ways they can see and understand our story better. And I think that, that there's many times where that's right and true and helpful. In a dream, um, I having someone outside of you interpret your dream for you um and i know there's like books out there and it can be kind of like this party game or something you do at a bar with your friends you know like um i don't think that's actually really good dream work and so i like the word analysis because in in greek analysis is like i believe that this is true that it's it's the word for loosening like loosening up and so analysis is like breaking up the things that are stuck so that it floats to the surface. And then the dreamer gets to say, this is what is coming up to the surface. And the dreamer gets to name what it is and the meaning of it. So the question in dream work isn't so much like, what does the dream mean? But more like, what is this dream saying to me about me? And I may want and need um, help from people offering their reflections or asking their questions or helping me get to that place. But as the dreamer, again, I'm the only one that knows the meanings of those particular symbols or people in my story. And like, I'm the one that gets to say that this is what the dream is saying to me. Um, which I also love because in my experience in groups throughout the 30 years that I've been kind of doing this, you know, 95% of the time the leader is white and has been trained in a very Western um, kind of fields of psychology and theology. And so 
their interpretations or what they're naming or saying to me are coming from that locatedness in their worlds, um, which has um, so much goodness in it and often does miss me, right? And I miss myself in that. And so to have the dreamer be the author and authority, I love that because then their culture, their ethnicity, their sexuality, their gender, all of that becomes theirs and primary. And, and we get to focus in on their particular identity and story and culture in a way that I don't think we often do. So yeah. I'm. Uh, yeah, sorry. That's okay. I don't even think I answered Maggie's question, so I'm sorry I went off on a little tangent there, but I feel really strongly about that. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, just a minute ago, I was thinking about you, you mentioned like work with resistance and um, counter transference. And I mean, you know, I'm a therapist and I'm licensed. And so I do, you know, and I've been through the system and become, but yet I really do believe the space is co-created. And some people are like, well, what does that mean? You know, tell me what I need to do. Tell me that mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. helpful I can do. And often I find that that's not actually satisfying in the therapeutic space for me to give an answer, for me to give something quote unquote helpful for me to, to give an instruction is often dissatisfying. Mm -hmm. And that's actually not what someone wants in, in the end or in the beginning right. even, right? And, and what I kind of love, what I really love about what you're saying is there's a way of embodying culture and a respect of each person's location in the world and instead of just saying, hey, let me untie that dream for you and let it spill everywhere. It's more just like, hey, you know, when you have a knot and you kind of have to pull on different threads to kind of get it open. And if you just pull hard on one, it actually tightens the knot up. And that's kind of the picture I had as you were as you were speaking, but not just of, of the dream analyst, um, to use that word, uh, pulling on the thread, but for both people to just kind of or the group to just kind of be just pulling at the threads and seeing what, what does loosen up. And in the end, that actually does provide a lot of safety for the dream teller, I would imagine. Yeah. 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 It does. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really right. And it, it feels um, in my body, it feels more collective to me in some ways too, right? That it's the group kind of working together um, again with, with the dreamer being primary, but it's working together on loosening something up so that the, the dreamer can say, you know, oh, this, this became, this came untied and this is what that, that means to me. Um, rather than, you know, I'm sitting here as a therapist or, you know, the, the expert in a group that's leading your group. And I'm telling you over there while people are kind of, watching or also then you know trying to kind of get the right answer and i'm not saying that's true in all groups but i think it can feel that way um and i know sometimes for me um both in therapy and in story work if i'm um the client or the storyteller i can oddly feel passive in my own process and i can feel like i don't know myself i don't know my story I'm relying on someone else to interpret, you know, make meaning for me um, rather than 
people helping me make meaning for myself. And those two things feel different to me. 100%, even, even as you're saying that, I'm really realizing how much that's what happened in when I shared even this, this short dream today about, mm. about my grandfather. And that rather than telling me what you think it means or what it should mean, you helped me to find deeper meaning just by asking the questions. Like, mm. and, and like I said already, like I'm gonna have to sit with that a little bit more mm. because initially when I had the dream, I interpreted it or wanted to make it mean, you know, he's in heaven, he got there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then with your questioning about, about how, you know, we can be all the characters in our story in the dream, I mean, we can be all mm-hmm. the characters in our dream. And so like asking the question about what ancestral part of me is home or is coming home and thinking of myself as the person who said, I've made it home. Mm-hmm. So like, that's super cool. And and like, you're differentiating that from from story work where we rely on the the other people to make meaning of it. So I love that. I mean, I'm just saying I experienced that today. Mm-hmm. What you said. I have an experiential knowing of what you just said. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Go ahead. Go ahead, Danielle. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just like, oh, basically, I just want to sign up. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I love doing dream work. I, I love, love, love story work, too. And so it's not like one is better than the other. I Again, that quotation from the playwright, I love so much that it's both. Like, right, we need the text. We need the story. We need the script of the play. And we also need the images and the symbols and kind of the mystery of that. And I love, um, I love doing both. And, and I, but for me and my personality and my story, I think um, doing dream work and doing dream work in groups feels more natural to me. I mean, you both had me um, as a facilitator. I mean, I tend to kind of wander around and ask a lot of questions and, you know, ask you to, to think what you, what you think. Um, I think because I'm a non-majority person, I um, ask about culture or I'm um, interested and curious about, you know, what specific things may have a different meaning or different story for you because of your ethnicity or culture, no matter what it is. And so I think I have that orientation to begin with. And so like, yeah, I love doing story groups. I have two groups now, um, which I'm loving. And then after the holidays, like I hope to do several, several more. Well, how can people find you and get connected to your, your practice, your dream groups? Like where, where can they get in touch with you? Um, I have a website. I have my uh, life coaching leadership development um, site is called Paper Crane Coaching. And uh, my website is www.p, the letter P, and cranecoaching.com. So they can reach me there. There's a contact page there if they're interested. Awesome. We'll have, you know, the link to that and, and how people can find you. Um, this has been, this has been fabulous. I feel like I got a free session. That's what I feel like. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. It's great to be with you guys. 
Yeah, well, I know like uh, Maggie and I always ask these three typical questions mm-hmm. at the end, like, what are you reading to? Um, what are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you listening to? And who or what's mm-hmm. inspiring you? And so, yeah, definitely want to hear from the dreamer, the dream <laughs> guide, what, what she's up to. What I'm reading. Um, this is what I try to have on my book stand, uh, fiction book, poetry, nonfiction and then I like to like be kind of wandering through something in scripture that doesn't mean like I'm currently reading all of them but this is what's on my nightstand right now so I have um as a woman by Paula Stone Williams and my fiction book that I did read and finish I just finished it is called the island of sea women by Lisa C and it's about um ancient and current um Korean women who do deep sea diving and it's an amazing it's an amazing allegory and also about women friendships that I've loved um I'm reading Jan Richardson's The Cure for Sorrow um some of you know that my mom um died at the end of the summer and so that that's just been a really good companion for me as I kind of work through my own grief and then I'm back in the Gospel of Mark which is my favorite book in the Bible and I'm kind of wandering around there for in terms of what I read, um, what it, what the, what I'm listening to, right? Okay, so you could not be like more disparate and <laughs> what I'm listening to. Um, I have BTS's "Permission to Dance" like on loop, and my family thinks I'm a little bit crazy, but um, I have found that song so redemptive to me in this time of my life because I have this really seminal story about being at dance at a dance and the kind of trauma of not being picked or picked for reasons that ended up just kind of doing harm for me. So there's something about listening to that dance, my, the young parts of me um, resonating with that both culturally and in terms of the lyrics, I have that. And then I'm also listening to Vivaldi's Four Seasons. I've been thinking a lot about seasons in my life and I'm in autumn. I feel like I'm in autumn just in terms of like the trajectory in terms of my age, but also seasonally. So I've been listening to the autumn section of, of all these four seasons. And then who's inspiring me? I have two groups of women that I meet with weekly and that those two groups of women inspire me just in terms of who they are and how they're living out their calling, how they bring their goodness and gifting into the world. Um, my family is very inspiring to me. I'm My husband's kind of in the same age bracket than I am. My two girls, you know, are transitioning. One just got married, you know, one's out of college. And so we're all in these liminal life spaces and seeing how they're navigating that separately and together has been really inspiring. And then the final thing is um, I live in a high rise condo and I have this really beautiful view of the sun coming up every morning um, over Lake Michigan. And there's something about this time of year where it, it tends to be like this very orange red sunrise. And that has reminded me in a time where I think I've needed to be reminded that God's mercies are new every morning. And that's been really inspirational for me in this season. They hit everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could talk with you for a long time, Jen. I could talk to both of you for a really long time too. And I do sometimes. So 
Oh, thank well, you thank so you. much. Mm -hmm. No, thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. And you guys both are good friends and trustworthy and kind. And thank you.